Welcome to another episode of the Reboot Chronicles, a no-holds-barred forum with global leaders, authors, entrepreneurs, and CEOs about how organizations stay focused on growth and innovation in unprecedented times. I'm your host, Dean DeBias, coming to you live from Revive's North American headquarters in Chicago, and we would like to thank you for joining us from around the globe today. I'd like to welcome Chris Rondo, the CEO of Planet Fitness, to the Reboot Chronicles. Founded in 1990s step aerobics era, anybody remember that? Uh, Planet Fitness has seen its fair share of reboots. They went public in 2015, and today the billion-dollar company is one of the largest, fastest-growing fitness brands with 18 million members who work out at over 2,400 locations around the world. Under Chris's leadership, Planet Fitness has been rebooted and grown into an award-winning market leader that many of you have experienced firsthand, of course. What I like most about this group is 90% of the locations are owned and operated by entrepreneurs, people just like you, independent businessmen and women, which is fantastic. And the health and fitness club market, the last I checked, is projected to be about a $136 billion market by 2028. So I have a feeling Chris is just getting started. We'll dig into that, of course. Chris, it's great to see you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, you know, the uh, <laughs> I'm just fascinated by all the reboots this sector has gone through. We'll get into all that. But I'm more interested in your personal story. I mean, you started at the front desk of this company back in 1993 that I, I can't even imagine. I can't visualize that calendar that far back. And then 20 years later, you became the uh, the CEO. And I just bet everybody's wondering, what was that journey like for you personally? Yeah, it was it was it, it really, really American dream, you know, all in one for sure from, from then to now. You know, I looked at we worked at the front desk. You know, it was one store we had me, me and my two partners uh, became partners. They started the gym a year earlier, and I was just a member there at that point, believe it or not. Um, and, you know, I like to work out, so why wouldn't I want to work in a gym? It's kind of how it started. You know, I was 20 years old and uh, going to University of New Hampshire at the time. Um, but it was a passion. I loved it, right? And uh, started off working the front desk, um, then became a trainer at the club, then became a manager at the club over time. Um, you know, I started off making six bucks of $6.40 an hour. <laughs> That's kind of what my going rate was. And, and uh, I had left working for my father's yeah, truck. That was, a, that was a lot back then. Yeah. Minimum, I think it was minimum wage. Yeah, I was, I was actually working for my dad for six bucks an hour at his pharmacy. And that's how he got me to come over to the the owner of the gym, gave me a 40, 40 cents more. So it made me make the jump. So you were a customer first. That's even a better story. Yeah, the customer first. And then so I worked my way up, became a manager. Then uh, we built some a couple more stores, became a regional manager throughout the 90s uh, and just built the business, you know, but. But Dean, when we first started off, we were a typical gym like you were, you would you would assume like a gold's gym, for example. We had all the heavy weights, the dumbbells. You know, our rates weren't ten bucks a month when we first started. We were thirty five bucks a month back then. Yeah, um, and and also too, think about early nineties. You know, EFT. You know, the monthly dues for your memberships. I mean, recurring billing was so new back then. Like today, you get Netflix and Spotify. People are very accustomed to it. You know, trying to get somebody to give you their credit card information thirty years ago was. That was a chore. You guys were cutting edge, man. That that was unheard of. It, it is amazing how much has changed in the industry. But before we jump into that, seriously, um, what was it like when you, I know you just kind of, for you, probably didn't seem like much. You just kept building and getting bigger and bigger. And then one day you wake up, you go into work and everyone's looking at you. You're the CEO. What, what was, what was that? Uh, what was that empty stomach day feeling like? Yeah, I'd say it was, um, 
you know, it was, when it was me and my two original partners, we built it up to, you figure it took us, took us almost 10 years to get to five stores. Wow. And then I was given, I'd been there for 10 years. Uh, the two original founders gave me 30% equity in the company, sweat equity. Generous. Yeah. And, uh, and I was kind of more the operations guy. I kind of came up with the operations manuals and, you know, what we do is so high volume compared to the rest of the industry, right? We're $10 a month. I mean, we make a lot of volume. Our stores have, you know, four or five times the members of a lot of other gyms, right? Uh, so we had to really figure out how to streamline things and how to make the brand consistent um, um, for customer experience with that many, that many people come to the door every day. So, and the other two partners, one was more the CFO, one was more the marketing guy. And we kind yeah. of built the business together. We launched franchising in 03 and over the next, you know, nine years, we've got to 500 stores. Um, so you could tell the franchising really just took off so fast, right? Um, and But what it was, honestly, is me, you know, we had developed this great business in, in New Hampshire, which is very rural, right? I mean, these our first four towns were 28,000 people. There's no one very, very rural. So we had to get really good at marketing and how to get people off the couch, which is the $10 price point in the judgment-free zone that really is an atmosphere that's conducive to casual and first-time gym people. Right. And and today, 80 percent of the U.S. population doesn't have a gym membership. So we're trying to get them off the couch. Um, right. That's kind of how I look at my competition is the couch. It's it's the couch. It's Chile's re- restaurants and it's AMC theater. That's my competition. Right. Yeah. yeah. Now, nowadays, 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 it's this. Yeah. Right. Not on YouTube. I'm holding up my big fat yeah. cell phone and or TikTok or whatever. <laughs> So then, yeah, uh, people people feel like they've worked out because they participated in something. It's there's a psychological. How are you getting? Uh, how are you getting kids off the couch? I, I, I noticed there's many sets of uh, Gen X Y Zs out there. Some of them are just they grew up in sports and yeah. therefore they stayed active. But there's a whole generation there that it's it's not a thing. No, it's really interesting, and and uh, we really started to see with the millennial population about ten years ago. And, yeah. and their, their propensity to work out. And what we've seen over 30 years now is that every younger generation, every newer generation, their propensity to work out in gyms is bigger than the previous generation. We saw it with Gen X to boomers. We saw it with millennials till, to, to, to Gen X uh, generation. And Gen Zs were seeing the exact same thing. So it's interesting because I, mm-hmm. I, have, I have a 16-year-old son, and to your phone comment, you think they're on the phone nonstop? And believe it yeah. or not, Gen Zs are joining – better now than the millennials were at that time. Yeah. And then a little bit to your point to get them off the couch. We have this program we launched in 2019 um, and then reintroduced it last year again after COVID. And then again, this year just ended a couple of days ago, but we call it high school summer pass. And believe it or not, what we do all summer long, um, you know, thankfully in some ways our gyms get quieter in the summer than they do in the New Year's resolution time, right? Weather's nice outside. Some of the member traffic slows down. So what we do, uh, this is the third time we've done it now, is we opened our doors for free, no strings attached to every high school age teen in the entire country. Nice. And they work out all summer long. Um, you know, no, no strings attached, literally. They come in, they work out. Uh, we did, we just logged our uh, over 3 million joins for the summer. So 3 million joins, teens got, got off the couch. Um, that, to put that in perspective, that's almost 14% of every high school age teen got off the couch. 14%. Yep. It's crazy. So it's great. Introduce them to the brand, brand loyalty. We started to build it in the earlier years in their life, and hopefully they we, we change them and stick with a good habit. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Smart. The um, uh, I I'm not sure where to go with this one next, but it I guess a couple of things I want to talk about. What what's the biggest challenge right now facing the industry? And 
I ask that in retrospect, those of you listening that have been around since uh, last century, this country at least has gone through so many fads. Mm-hmm. You know, I mentioned, you know, the uh, things like jazzercise and aerobics yeah. and uh, Billy Blanks. <laughs> yeah. Thigh master Tybo. It's like next, next, next. You know, right now everybody's, you know, my girlfriend's like hooked on orange theory and, and, um, so I'm making a little bit fun of it, but it's also a great industry to take advantage of because new, so many, many clubs have come and gone and many have survived. And, you know, so the first part of the question is, that's the retrospect is how, how many reboots have you been through? Cause it wasn't all purple. I know that it was the big gyms that people like me are intimidated with because there's the big guys in there and yeah. making me look bad. You look, you look like you're still working out hardcore, by the way, those of you <laughs> who can't see him, he's looking good. That's true. Yeah. Try, so try to keep you a loaded question with the good luck. Yeah, right. Thank you. It's, um, you know, it, you, you make a very good point with this industry. And it's one thing I'd say that we have been um, super good at is being disciplined to our business and our customer um, because there is a lot of fads and it's hard to, you have to really wait to see which ones really stick, right? And yeah, uh-huh. to your point, you just rattled off a bunch of them, right? Then you got, I mean, Richard Simmons and you go Jane Fonda all the way back, right? <laughs> and then you got, you know, P90X with the DVDs you do at home, right? And then, and then real time, you know, during COVID, everybody thought Peloton was going to rule the world and everybody in the world was going to be riding the bike in their kitchen, you know? Yeah, <laughs> and, we, and we saw what happened there, you know? So Crash we, and burn. Yeah, yeah, we were just very, very disciplined on seeing which trends really had go time that were going to stick around and not jump on the bandwagon every time something came up. So we were just really, really good. And at the end right. of the day, it's, it's nuts and bolts. Um you know, treadmills are always king <laughs> at the end of the day. Uh, I always have a funny saying in a lot of ways. I mean, it's like, you know, you just got to move. And, you know, there's, there's, there's a million different types of bicep machines that come out every year. And your arm bends one way. <laughs> it's, it's, it doesn't change. It never has. So it's like, you know, you just got to do it. So it's like you, people got to pedal. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's no easy way out. And there's no, <laughs> there's no like next quick fix. And everybody kind of chases it, you know, CrossFit. In Orange Theory, then F45, and now that one's crumbling. And so it's the same discipline. And, you know, but what happens, I think, a lot of times is with people who are serious, serious, avid exercises, Dean, they, they work out a lot, right? They're working out six, seven days a week sometimes, right? So they're almost, they get bored. So I, have, I have no idea what that's like. <laughs> yeah, they get, but they get bored so quick, they got to look for the new, the new drug, right? They got to find something new and fun because they get uh, bored. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the average customers, you know, if you're working out three times a week, you're not going to get bored, but you're, you're working out and you're going to get results and you can, you can do that forever. And you can hopefully do that without injury. Right. You work out seven days a week at some of these other hardcore gyms. I mean, it's, it's like crash dieting. You can't, it's not a lifestyle. You can't do it forever. Right. Um, That's actually a perfect metaphor. I mean, dieting trends are, I don't know which one's worse, but if they're, can you, can you track those two together? Fitness and diet you should be because that's all your doctor talks about fitness and diet, but the diet trends, do they yeah. kind of, are they in the same cycle? I, yeah, I, I don't <laughs> like people, people bring up Ozempic all the time these days. It's like, that's going to take the gyms away from it. Yeah. I don't, I don't look at it like that. Cause I think it's, you know, dieting trends are also, I put, I can look at it this way. You don't yeah. take a protein powder unless you're working out, right? You don't take supplements unless you're exercise. And it's the same thing. Like, and if you, if you take a supplement, then you probably will exercise. So they're kind of two in the same. You know, if you take, you know, most people say if you, if you take care, you care, you're eating and you eat really healthy, chances are you probably work out too, or you're right. active, you're active in some fashion. So I do think they follow each other. Um, I don't think it's competition though. No, no, I was just talking about more of a holistic health 
you know, we do a lot about health, beauty, and wellness and how that's all coming together and everything from what you put in your body to what you put on your skin yeah. and what you do with your body. And I always tell people, I'm like, well, maybe you should just walk to the health club. And that's <laughs> like a big bonus there, too. We end up in this country, there's a lot of driving going on. Well, I think there's a lot of self-care there, right? That's, that's come around. Self-care is a good one, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I think that. And, umbrella. Yeah, and that also includes mental health, which is a real big thing these days, especially with the younger younger generations, you know, so, and exercise is good for all of that stuff. So, and we've seen, you know, we've seen coming out of COVID that we believe people are paying attention more to their health going forward. Yes. You know, people, people are canceling less and they're working out more than they did pre COVID. So, um, unfortunately it took that for people to realize that, you know, they knew they heard it. They just nearly didn't pay attention to it. Right. Everybody knows they shouldn't do, everybody knows they shouldn't smoke, but maybe it takes a scared for people to stop. So I think people are, are, more health conscious now going forward than they were prior. I wonder if they ever had smoking in health clubs. I mean, we had it on airlines and everywhere else. Uh, I do remember in the nineties, it was big ashtrays <laughs> at the front door before you walked in. Cause they were <laughs> their butts all over the ground. <laughs> so how do you stay competitive? You're not alone out there. You know, I mentioned orange. There's a bunch of others. So, mm -hmm. You know, some of, some have come and gone, but some are pretty well backed right now financially. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're definitely, you know, 25% of the industry permanently closed through COVID. So about 10,000 gyms permanently closed. Whoa. So there's less competition out there. But the ones that made it, you know, like us are, are better off now, you know, in that sense. And, and back to the trends we, we we just talked about is people are working on more and they're more apt to pay attention to that. So, so that's really good. But, you know, really, we look at Orange Theory and I, I think I, I talked to the CEO quite a bit. He's, he's a really great guy. He's a really great model. And, and you got the... Yeah, he's got, sharp, very sharp. Uh, you got the different brands out there, and you got the CrossFits, and you got the F45s, and you go down the list. Core Power Yoga, you go down the list. But, you know, if you think about most of these gyms out there, I always say they're catering to the fit person getting fitter as opposed to catering to the person on the couch, you know, whether it's they're paying 150 bucks a month. Orange Theory is a great workout, but it's hard. I mean, for your first time exercising, you're probably not going to do an Orange Theory class, you know, or a CrossFit, you know? I, I flamed out pretty quick on that one. It's tough. I mean, it's a good workout, but it's, you know. I, I was like, you want me to do what next? No. Um, where's the where's the water where's the bar? Water? Where's the bubbler? <laughs> but, you know, I, I remember almost 40% of our joys never belong to a gym in their entire life. So we're truly their first experience with fitness. Oh. Yeah, yeah so you've, got the, you've got them on the tractor being with the, with the $10 price point, and then you upgrade them. You know, it's, yeah. a, it's a good, it's like a cable TV model. Yeah, and then you but, got uh, in the atmosphere, the judgment-free. They got dumbbells stop at 75 pounds. We don't have the giant Olympic benches and power racks and stuff like that. So uh, our equipment is really what's conducive of a casual first timer, not an Olympic athlete. Which is the mass market. Yeah. So yeah. now I see how you've rebooted it. That actually made a lot of sense. Do you see yourself going more into the health and wellness side? So are you, so for instance, I noticed you don't call them locations. You call them stores. Um, is that for a reason? Are you want to be uh, selling more to these people? Uh, upsell, cross sell? No, I just kind of, I think it's because we're bricks and mortar. It's kind of always, always referred to them as stores. Yeah. yeah. But I yeah, mean, retail, and retailers call them doors. I've never figured yeah, that out. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't, um, you know, I, I never say never, right? But I think there's there's so much more uh, bandwidth and room runway here for, for the current model without complicating it. Um, so yeah, I, think I just see, um, I just see people in that environment wanting more supplements, shakes, high energy drinks, whatever, nutrition, and you know, like a liquid IV, for instance. Yeah. I think, they, uh, I think I'd uh, say probably, yeah, I'd probably say more partnerships. Um, yeah. go, go to somebody who, who, who is good at it and is focused. That's all they do as opposed to 
trying to be an expert in IVs or expert in making a Smoothie King drink when I'm in the gym business. Um, but partnerships, sure. And we've started a lot of partnerships within our app now where if you're a member of Planet Fitness, kind of like the AAA model, if you're a member of Planet Fitness, you get discounts at certain things. Discounts exactly. at Nike, discounts yep. at Blue Apron, discounts at Crocs for all things. So we, I think probably more partnerships with how we probably would offer benefits to our members in that sense, which would add more value for being a member. No, that's where I was going. Uh, we're, Reboot Chronicles, we're a big fan of what I teach at Kellogg, which is the whole build by borrow model. So the borrowing, the partnering side is where a lot of growth is. And some companies are good at it. Some are not so good, but you've got such a strategic advantage, both online and in store. And just back to the in-house thing, the in-home boom that went on. Mm-hmm. How has that changed the industry? Did, did it help you though? Did it bring more awareness of the casual person that then eventually said, hey, maybe I'll come in and get yeah. social or something. You know, believe it or not, I think back when, when Peloton's heyday, when they were advertising a lot, a I lot. That, I, you know, I think that, I think that was generally just helps build awareness to health and wellness, you know? So I think, you know, I, I think that, I think we benefit from that too, where somebody's like, I should really probably do something. And this, if they saw their commercial, maybe not mine, they got aspirational. And do I want to spend 2000 bucks on a bike or do I want to pay 10 bucks a month for a membership and have, and have a hundred bikes. Right? So, so I think it's, um, I, I think competition is good. I think when they advertise, it just builds awareness amongst everybody else. But, you know, at the end of the day, kind of like we talked about earlier, home fitness has been around since Jane Fonner and Richard Simmons. And if it was going to work, it would have worked before. Right. I think most, people- most, you know, most people, well, m- many of you don't remember Jane Fonda, but yeah, <laughs> I know a lot of people who bought the video just to watch Jane Fonda. They didn't necessarily work out. <laughs> But you bring up a good point of the in-home, let's just call it any type of health and wellness. It's about buying stuff and people just, it's like an accumulation game. It's like, I got into that years ago. If you have space, it's like, I'm going to get that and this. And like, how often have you used that cross thing? I'm like, I haven't really. I mean, exactly right. I mean, it's one of those things. First, first, do you have room in your house? You know, do you really want to be doing this in your kitchen when your dog your dog is, you know, your kids are pulling on you because they want their lucky charms or your living room and your dog is nipping at your heels while you're on the bike. I mean, it's like, who has, who has their own basement or who has their spare bedroom that they don't use? I mean, it's, it's first you got space, then you got money. And then the other side, there's so many more things to do around the house chore wise. I think at times that you can be easily distracted. Now you go to the gym, you can't do your laundry, <laughs> you do your exercising. So I think getting out, um, I tell you, I, you know, I have a great home gym as you can probably imagine. And I still go to my local planet more than I do use the local, my downstairs gym only when I have my son home, you know, otherwise yeah. just, I just, if five o'clock in my morning in my basement is not very energizing. Did you do undercover boss? No, no. The oh, vast, sure? the vast you a lot, sure? but I don't you do should it. do that. You might grow a beard or something, but go <laughs> in and. So, um, what, what is the next big trend without, uh, um, what do you think is happening yeah, now? Either yeah. diet or health and wellness or not necessarily always working out. I yeah. see a, ch- a change in exercise regimens. Um, weights are coming back. Functional training is big. Um, cardio isn't as big as it used to be. Um, although mm-hmm. important, although important, but they're doing more cross training. They're doing cardio in conjunction with, believe it or not, the dumbbells and kettlebells and people of all ages in both genders, all genders. It's, it's, um, that's definitely a trend. If you go back, 15 years ago, I mean, it was just, we couldn't put enough cardio in the clubs. <laughs> I mean, you could, 
we'd have upwards of 140, 150 pieces of cardio. There still wasn't enough sometimes. Yeah, the treadmill, the the rows of treadmills are a bit intimidating. (laughs) Oh, go forever. Where nowadays we're putting a little less cardio in and designate that space to more um, weight and functional training areas. So that's definitely a a change that has stuck. I'm surprised there hasn't been any growth and innovation in, or or just true invention in equipment, things that are just more in tune with the human body. And uh, for instance, when elliptical came out, it was like, wow, this is not impact. But I haven't seen much since then. That's probably, that's that's funny you bring it up. That's probably the last big innovation cardio. And that that was in like late nineties with three core came out with the arc and then I came out with the, I bought, I, bought, I bought one. I had a pro, a professional one, and I couldn't go that fast on it, but it was just good for the body. It was in sync. It was in t- I felt like a Neanderthal running. You know, it was like it was actually moving with you instead of banging. But the other big thing that's probably come back, which you probably remember seeing, you know, 30, 25 years ago, is um, the step mills, which is the revolving steps. Kind of like oh, yeah. yeah, that was huge. Yeah, Steermaster made them. They virtually invented them back in the early 90s. Um, then they kind of went away and they, they went through financial trouble and then the patents got taken away and now all the manufacturers make those, but we were starting off putting two in a club and now we're probably putting eight to 10 in a club these days. It just seems like you could do that at home, just doing laundry, just go up and down your stairs. (laughs) (laughs) It's more fun when you're at, uh, at your place. So, uh, so where do you see the company in, uh, three to five years? Yeah, so we're at, you know, 18 million members. You know, we've got the 2,400 stores open. We uh, have a, dom- a domestic potential for 4,000 here in the U.S. Wow. Um, yeah, we're in four foreign countries today, and we'll plan on adding one or two uh, more countries each year uh, to that to that portfolio. Um, we're, we're having a new study done on the 4,000 domestically. You know, back to the, the new trends and the Gen Z uh, did, did join the joint trajectory is much faster than millennials as far as percentage working out. Yeah. Uh, even today we have as, as Gen Z's, we we're right now almost, almost at 10% of every Gen Z in the country is a paying member. So one in 10, it's pretty crazy, which that's, that's really super, high. Yeah. That's, and it's only, it's only going one direction. So that's great news. What's the, uh, what do you attribute that to? Is it, is it the cool factor? I mean, our favorite color here is purple, but um, <laughs> the uh, 10, is it the price point? Is it, I think it's the combination of all. I think it's the price point. I think coming out of COVID, uh, people's health, health and mental health are important. Yeah. I think even Gen Z's are seeing that uh, more so. Um, I think that's a big trend. Uh, I do, you know, as much as I think social media is bad in a lot of ways, but but I do think it definitely has a lot of exposure. I mean, it teaches people to work out. Like even I this talk about this high school summer pass program we did. We had three million teens. These teens come in, dean with like. Their exercise form is like perfect. And I knew when I was in high school, my form, <laughs> me and my buddies working out, we had the worst form ever. But the only way I could learn to work out was Muscle and Fitness Magazine. There was no source. No, no. It was bad. A lot of that was bad advice. You hurt yourself. Yeah, but there was no source, right? There was no internet. There was no, and I wasn't no. going to hide the money to pay a trainer. So I think, you know, a lot of ways there's so much exercise content online that people are ex- exposed to it and know how to keep their exercises more entertaining and, and more fun. And, and that's yeah, what that I, was actually yeah. where I was. Yeah. That's where I was going. Do you see coaching teams, classes, you see that growing? I know you guys aren't big on classes. So I think nowadays people are doing it on their own. They're following routines on their phone. Their phone is in the gym propped against yeah. the wall and they're following yeah. exercises. That way they they don't have to come in at exactly five o'clock 
when the class starts, they can come in at 505 and do their own thing at their own time. So I think it's, it's more self-taught, I think, going forward. So, um, so going from 4,000 to let's call it, uh, or getting to 4,000, you know, stateside and maybe five, six, seven, um, globally over the next, whatever you call it, five, six years, something, um, you know, as a, uh, as a public company, you, I mean, you, you busted out way before you went public in 03, you, you pretty much said, Hey, let's do the franchising model. Is yeah. everything from now on franchise? No, we have uh, about 240 corporate stores. So about 10%. We plan on staying about 10% of the system in corporate locations. Um, it gives us a, a, a really good perspective of the trials and tribulations of running a store, you know, yeah. through ourselves um, yeah. from operations to cleaning, to construction, to, um, wages and how to deal with all of it. So it gives us a good perspective. We try a lot of new things that, um, that work and some that don't work, <laughs> you know, and that's how we then show the franchisees that we should do things this way now. So it's a, it's a good, it's a good test bed for us, kind of test kitchen, if you will. So we'll continue to build out our corporate store fleet and keep about 10% of the systems. You do you have someone that kind of works on that, the, on the innovation side that just focuses on, Hey, what could we, how can we lead this market better? Yeah, yeah, we have a president of corporate stores, and and, and she just runs corporate stores, um, and then uh, and then we have people that pay attention and watch a lot of trends. We capture a lot of data, right? So we, you know, because of a membership model, we know where you check in, we know how long you're there, we know, you know, age, we know your gender, you know, equipment's being used. That's how we like knew the cardio was coming down, but the equipment check-ins were going up. Um, so we we test a lot of things always and watch trends, just just for that reason. Yeah. What's um what's the biggest challenge being a CEO these days? Um, you know, I'd say coming off of COVID is probably getting used to the work from home. <laughs> I was always been a hands-on guy. <laughs> and uh, looks like you're in the office there. I, I am, uh, of course. <laughs> so <laughs> when back to work. a lot of the offices <laughs> working from working from home is you just have to kind of retool and how to uh work around that and work with that. So I think that's probably been a bit of challenge here. Um you know, being publicly traded is, is another dynamic there, although I've, I've really enjoyed it. I've enjoyed the shareholders. I've enjoyed it's tough. to grow. And, um, you know, they ask good questions and, and sometimes they have some good ideas. So it's, uh, I don't mind the challenge. I like it. But sometimes being public and growing at, at the same time, high growth, it doesn't always balance out, you know, whereas if you're owned by private equity, it's, so there's some benefits of kind of being below the noise level and, uh, out competing people and you know, you've got to disclose a lot of stuff. Yeah. In public. yeah. Does, that, does that, does it slow you down a little bit? Um, sometimes it makes this, the decision process a lot harder, you know, cause you to make sure you meet, meet, you meet earnings and you know, you'd like to spend money here. You probably can't, yeah. you, you know, and even though it might be good for the business for the short term, I mean, for the long term it's maybe short term doesn't look as right, but, um, but we were private equity owned too. And we were private equity owned until we went public and they were, and they, yep. but they were great partners. You know, I lucked out and chose the right ones. And yeah, you lucked out. You had a great group. Yeah, they were, they were really well for us. So, so no complaints there. And honestly, if I didn't, if we weren't pro, if we weren't private equity owned first, there's no way I would have been. Hate to say we're polished because <laughs> I'm still learning, but I don't think I would have been half as polished going public as a public company CEO if I didn't have private equity to help teach me some of the. You know, like I said, I dropped out of college, so. <laughs> You'd still be teaching classes on the side, probably, <laughs> which isn't a bad thing. Stay close to the business. Um, Chris, what uh, 
What kind of um, challenges have you had personally in rebooting your your own career? I mean, you're one of the rarest people that we've had a few on the show. Even John Chambers, who was just on, you know, was at Cisco forever, but he didn't start there. You started here as a child. Let's just call it that. <laughs> At the front desk, but uh, just, yeah, what have been some of your personal challenges that people can maybe learn from? Yeah, I think um, definitely got to, you know, you got to make mistakes. <laughs> you got to keep up and keep charging forward and learn from them. You know, I think hiring good people around you to to do stuff that you're not good at. Um, you know, having a good management team that has your back so you can make the most of your job uh, has been has been clutch for me. Um, I was always a funny story back to the private equity. You guys, you know, when they come in here, I start talking about Kager. I said, what is Kager? It's like, is that's like a party I went to in college. It's a gear. <laughs> it's a beer keg. <laughs> yeah, like it's a I'm talking about, talking about EBITDA. I thought they were vowels. I was like, what does that mean? But, uh, you know, so I think it's, you know, we have to stay focused on what we're good at and really pay attention to who our customers are. Um, staying disciplined, like I said, to the model. I mean, it's always easy to get persuaded by the industry and follow the industry. So, that's been very dis- that's been hard to stay disciplined there, which is something we've been we've been good at, luckily, and stay stay there. But um, yeah, I, don't know, I think the challenge is probably staying focused on the business and make sure we don't um, over tweak it with trends that aren't conducive to our customer. Yeah, I could see you jumping on every fad and I mean, falling what- flat and being left on the dustbin of irrelevance, obscurity, and decline. But you just said something. There's like it's like being focused on the things I'm good at. I, as a serial CEO, I've always struggled with that because I, I want to do more. I want to help. I want to be involved. How do you just focus on the things you're really excelling at and you're good at? Um, I let my team tell me to get away. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's good. That's a better answer. Most people say, I, I know how to delegate. I'm like, well, so do I, but I don't. <laughs> I like to market. You know, again, I like, my goal is get more people off the couch. So I work with my chief brand officer and figure so out the right passion. Message. You're very yeah, passionate. I love that. That's critical. You know, it's yep. great to come to work these days. And that's all I really focus on is getting people off the couch, you know, and making them healthy. I always say like, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to not be in, you know, a fast food burger chain or uh, changing oil for a living. And I wouldn't have that much passion for that as opposed to making people healthy, you know? So it's a good way to come to work. And, and I have franchisees, which is also really cool. So, I always say I have two sets of customers. One, I provide wealth and one, I provide health, you know? So it's another mm-hmm. great way to come to work every day. Um, but I think it's, I think it's staying focused and make sure people around you that are better at you, better than you at certain things that you need, need them for. I love it. It's great. Thanks, Chris. We enjoyed having you on. Great, uh, great company. Um, really like what you're doing. Pleasure. Anytime. Appreciate it. You've been listening to Chris Rondo. He is the CEO of Planet Fitness. This is Dean Tobias with the Reboot Chronicles. I want to thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Mm-hmm.